Young business leaders, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 134. Today, my guest is Beth Nydick. Beth has spent over 10 years working as an online entrepreneur and health coach. She has authored a cookbook, Clean Cocktails, Righteous Recipes for the Modern Mixologist, and now helps entrepreneurs to strategically prepare their business and gain exposure through collaboration and visibility so they can reach their full potential, establish credibility, and their bottom line. Young business leaders, Beth Nydick. Young business leaders, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you again for tuning in. So excited uh, to be in recording and uh, continuing to grow in this leadership journey. So uh, today I have a very special guest, Beth Nydick. Uh, you already heard her uh, bio a little bit ahead of this. So Beth, hello, welcome to the podcast. And if you don't mind, say uh, a little bit about yourself and uh, say hello to the audience. Hey, 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 Evan. I'm so excited to be with you. Um, I am a cocktail cookbook author as well as a publicity strategist. So essentially, I help entrepreneurs strategically prepare their business to gain exposure through collaboration and re- relationships so they can make their potential possible. Oh, man. See, that was that was like that was the brief version. So thank yes. you for that. Um, <laughs> I want I want to uh, jump into all sorts of fun stuff, um, uh-huh. but one of the uh, things that, as we were kind of talking in the beginning, uh, was talking about your journey through uh, persistence and perseverance. I think that's something that we all kind of de- deal with uh, because we really want to uh, we want to avoid being uncomfortable. But I really want to <laughs> shed some light into like what the grind really is, like what the what it really takes to kind of you know write a cookbook. I mean that that process alone is something that you know, you have to, first of all, decide that you want to do it. And then you're like, well, you know, there's probably already people out there that have cookbooks like this, like what's going to make mine different. And then I'm sure you had people that gave you adversity throughout the entire process (laughs) of it. And they're just like, you know, I don't know. And then, but ultimately you decided to do it, you did it, you launched it. And and now here you are. So talk a little bit about that journey, if you will, uh, and kind of shed some light on maybe what that journey looks like uh, in, in real life. In real life, it's all about making a decision um, and knowing who you are and where you come from. It's so funny that you say the pushback. Literally, the only pushback I got was from my uncle, who's like, you're not a big drinker. Like, that was his. (laughs) He's like, how are you going to write a cock? I'm like, I was like, "Um, I like a couple of drinks and I know flavors. So it really was just having a good idea and being a thousand percent in. And -hmm. I mean, all in. Um, because it's really hard. You know, we talk about being an entrepreneur and all the things we do, but we don't really focus on how hard it really is, what it really takes. And the persistence and perseverance is my mantra because that's what it really takes to keep going. No matter what people say, no matter what happens, how many times you fall down. Um, but it's having that feeling of understanding about who you are and where you want to be because I get, a, you know, I get a lot of questions about media and I get a lot of questions like, how can I get in, in Oprah magazine? And my response is, what are you doing? And it's nothing near where you can get an Oprah magazine. So it's having realistic goals mm-hmm. along the way. I have an overarching goal of where I want to be, but I need to figure out those little goals on how to get there. Um, but really it's all based on that good idea. Um, the book, <laughs> so the book idea came to me I don't know, like 10 years ago, I was a bartender in college and I just had this idea percolating. You know, I was at a, I had a party once and I made a couple of the drinks. My friends were like, these are, these are so good and they love them. And I was literally standing in my living room saying to myself, I should tell more people about these drinks. That was it. Mm-hmm. 
had a conversation with a friend the next day and she's like, we'll just write a book about it. And I was like, okay, that's it. Like, that's how the decision was made. <laughs> like, okay. But I knew that it wasn't going to happen by myself. Uh, I just knew that I had too much on my plate. I needed somebody else to keep me going. And I literally had a conversation with 10 entrepreneurs that I was friendly with. And everyone was like, that's a great idea. Until I met Tara, who's my co-writer. And she was like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Mm. So I was like, oh, I found somebody else who can match my energy, match my action. And we got it done in record time. But through the process, it, we just kept saying to ourselves, it's a good idea. And this is going to happen. And having full investment in this is going to happen. I think that's mm. the saving grace for us on, for the book. Okay. So there was a lot there. And <laughs> I think that, uh, I think there was a couple of things that I want to highlight because, okay. you know, as, as a young leader, right, you're, you're, you're maybe seeing opportunities, but you're not necessarily understanding like that this is like, it's just the next step. I, I think sometimes uh, as, as a, a kid out of college or, you know, finding yourself in that leadership role, you're sitting there going, well, I'm here and someone's just going to pluck me out of this and they're going to, they're going to take me to there. And that's how this is going to happen. And I, I think the differentiator for your story, and I try to highlight these because I think this is essentially what I need to hear just as much as the audience needs to hear is the very first question of what are you doing? And I think that uh, for me, it was, well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for somebody to find me. I, I have all this potential. I have all this energy. I want to do X, Y, and Z. And so somebody's just going to just be like, oh, there's my guy and, <laughs> and pull me out of it. And that's how it's going to work. And the reality is, is nobody cares about you. Uh, nobody is looking about, looking for you. This is so we'll get to the positive part of this uh, podcast here in a little bit, but th that's the reality. Everyone's just trying yeah. to get to their next thing. And so they're trying to climb the ladder just as much as you're trying to climb the ladder. They want to be successful, but they're not always looking for like, who's this person that I can, I can bring with me. So that question of what are you doing is a really important question because ultimately if you're doing something, people are going to want to be a part of that. If you're doing nothing, you're not going to get an Oprah magazine because last I checked, there no. has not been any articles in Oprah magazine about some person that just did a nine to five and just never took a step out, never took a risk and never went anywhere in life. Exactly. And it's, it's about being in action and enrolling those people around you that can help you get to the next level in your action. Mm. So it's collaborating, having a relationship, you know, I have relationships with some producers um, on national huge TV shows that I want to be on and I'm not pitching them about me. I'm, I'm asking them what they need, how I can help them and know what they do. They turn around and ask me what I'm working on and they mm. help me. You know, I'm not, I might not be ready for prime time yet, but I'm getting there. And when I'm ready, I have those relationships in place that can get me there. But along the way, I'm learning how to, to enroll the other people in my success because you're right. I could sit here every day and put out a blog and write and do a couple of Instagram posts. No one's coming to get me until I put myself into action. And, and I have an example for that. So I was a Dr. Oz blogger a couple of years ago. Um, uh, one of the food, one of the producers had found my food blog. I wanted me to come on, which was great. A one-off would have been perfect, but I didn't want to be that one-off. Mm. And I enrolled her in what I was doing because I was in interested in her asking her questions, the producer. And she was like, you know what? We're doing this new project. I'd love for you to be a part of it. So I, I wasn't 
sitting at my desk doing nothing. I was opening my mouth and asking for what I want and enrolling people in my, I want to call it my genius, but you know, not to be conceited, but it is like my little part of the world and my message is my genius and enrolling right. people in that is where you get to the next level. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's John Maxwell that says, if you want to go somewhere in life, help other people get to where they want to go. Mm -hmm. And as a byproduct, you'll get the things that you're trying to get to. And that's exactly what you're talking about right yes. there. How can I help you? What, what do you need? Like, are, are you needing to connect with these kinds of people? How can I do that? And the natural response was, well, what are you doing? Like, what, like, tell me about your journey and the things that you have going on because they have ultimately the relationship with you yes. and they are seeing that you're interested in their success. Therefore they are reciprocating interest into what you're doing and what your potential success is going to be. And that alone is, is huge. But I think the other part of this is recognizing that even in public relations and, and having some of these huge connections, it's people. It's how are you helping people? And if you're able yeah. to help that person and you're able to build that relationship and be a resource for them and invest in them, they can't help but not bring you along with what they're doing. And it's not a, you know, just sit here and wait. It's a, I'm actively pursuing other people, yeah. not in the intent to manipulate them, to get them to do something, but for the genuine purpose of helping them, people can tell when you genuinely want to help. And that's when they start to reciprocate. A, a thousand percent. And it's being in action. There's a quote, forgive me because I don't remember who says it or what it, what the actual quote was, but <laughs> this is what I got from it. This gets to be your quote now, so you can take credit for it. Okay. This is my new quote. Courage is taking your talent and moving through the fear and into the sunlight. Mm. Because if you, you're in action, like if you really want to be successful at this online thing, you need to show up every day, all day long. That's just mm. what it is. The algorithms don't let you show up once. It makes me crazy when somebody says, well, I, I post on social media once a day. <laughs> I'm like, that's nice. So does my mother. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's not going to help you. It's really showing up in that big way. So one of the things that I'm struggling with now is how am I going to show up so that it works for me, how it's uncomfortable for me. You mentioned before being comfortable. Mm. If I'm comfortable, I'm not, for me, for me personally, and I'm hoping that I'm not alone in this, but if I'm comfortable, I'm not doing enough. If I'm mm. comfortable, I'm sitting back. So part of my motivation is the more uncomfortable I am, the better it works. Yeah. And then as you go through this, you get more and more comfortable, but it's all about action because you, you and I could have a great relationship and I can say I'm doing all these things, but unless you see them, you're not going to support them because they're not even going to be there to support yeah. Well, uncomfortability is really, it's an ever growing thing if you think about it. So for example, uh, it was uncomfortable for me to learn how to walk um, when I was a kid. It was uncomfortable for me to learn how to do math. It was uncomfortable for me to get up in front of people and speak. But at some point that became comfortable to me because that was something that I had experience with. That was something that I, I grew in. And so that, that, that sphere of comfortability expanded. But then at some point, and I, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, in your early 20s or whatever else, you're just like, oh, I, I just need to just, you know, dial into this and, and focus on this one thing, which focus is good. But I think that part of that is you'd never stop learning, you never stop growing. And you always have to 
push the boundaries of that comfortability because the cool thing about it is that comfortability will continue to grow and that's where you do big things because your your realm of comfortability becomes so large that it's easier for you to take those bigger risks because you have such a foundation of expertise and knowledge and successes and failures that you can say I'm only like I'm going an inch outside of my comfortability right now but I only have to go an inch right now because I've expanded so much else. If, if I was trying to, you know, get a blog on Oprah and, and try to, uh, you know, build a relationship with her and I've never done anything. I've never even talked to like my local newspaper. Well, that's, that's way outside of my realm of comfortability. I'm saying that it can't happen. It can happen. But if, if I've gotten my local newspaper and then I've gotten on some online blogs and I've gotten onto like maybe a published magazine and then I keep growing and growing and growing and I write my book and I have a, a wealth of content that I can draw from at that point, that next step to Oprah is not that far anymore. And that's where if you're, if you're looking at a growing um, level of uh, uncomfortability and comfortability, that's where you can start really making those, those bigger steps towards those bigger goals and bigger desires. I totally agree. And being, seeing on being uncomfortable is growing instead of being, just being uncomfortable and sitting in it because mm-hmm. I never was in a publishing meeting, you know, after we got our book proposal and our agents started sending it out to publishers, we had to go meet with the publishers. And my partner and I literally would take bell jars full of ingredients and make cocktails for them in these boardrooms. Like, mm. And they would look at us like, are you crazy? <laughs> and we would get them slightly inebriated sometimes, um, like which might have helped us get our book deal because you never yeah. know. But, you know, we, we didn't know what we were doing and it was uncomfortable. But, you know, when you're secure in the idea and you're secure in your efforts and that you can actually create something. And I don't mean secure, but like you're a thousand percent know what you're doing or you're a thousand, everyone's behind you. I mean, like you're a thousand percent in is what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to go all in. And if I'm going to fall flat on my face and I am, but at least I experienced it. And that's where the persistence and perseverance comes back. Cause you have to keep going through that because not everything's going to work. You know, mm-hmm. I've put out programs before from my nutrition business and nobody's reacted. Crickets, mm. you know, how many times, but I learn from it. And how many times mm. is that going to happen until I learn enough to make that not happen? But it's, it's gotta be, you know, I think you have to be a little naive, you know, and if you're just out of school, you know, you're late twenties, I feel like you have more of that gusto. Like you don't know enough yet to say, this isn't going to work or no one's going to like this. You're just like, I'm going to try it. I feel like that's where I was when I was doing that. Um, but uh, there wasn't, the social media when I was in my late twenties, I thank, I actually thank God that there was not social media in my late twenties because I was in New York city having a very, very good time. Ah. But, <laughs> um, but I took risks and I did things like I, so I worked at MTV um, in the late nineties. And the way that I got that job was I literally was sitting in a bar in Hoboken with my girlfriend and behind me were two producers from MTV. And I knew that cause I was listening and they were cute. So I was listening intently. Mm. And I turned around and said, I would love to work at MTV. Can you introduce me to somebody? I was working at MTV a month later. Nice. Well, but it's just because I opened my mouth and asked and people are afraid to ask for what they want. Mm -hmm. And I I don't understand that really because 
everyone wants to help. It's just fear. I, there's nobody that doesn't want to help somebody else. You ask nicely, you're a nice person. You, you, know, you have a win-win relationship. You have a nice relationship. You have no relationship at all, but people want to be helpful underneath mm. everything. I think that's a pretty uh, interesting nugget. And uh, I think you get some cool cred just for saying that you worked at MTV, at least with my generation, oh, right? I grew up I on- I have a lot of cool cred. I, didn't, I don't <laughs> know if I told you my cool. So I worked at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno in, the, in LA in the late 90s too. Ah. ah, yeah, that's cool cred. I don't know which is cooler. I think MTV nudges it just a little bit. I don't know. Maybe about, it's a little bit more edgy. How about taking Tom Cruise to the bathroom? Hmm? No. Well, so I have a theory about this. So, have you noticed that Tom Cruise always goes to the bathroom in his movies? No, I think that was that's just that, that's just part of that's just part of Tom Cruise. Go watch Castaway. He's peeing in that. Watch Forrest Gump. What does he do when he drinks too much soda? He has to go pee. Tom Cruise or not Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks. always has to Tom pee in a movie. Yes. Uh, and and wait, wait, did you say Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks? I took Tom Cruise to the bathroom, but I, I have a story about Tom Hanks' wife. I took her uh. to the bathroom. And she, Rita Wilson, she's phenomenal. And she was just so sweet. And the way back, she like held my hand as we were talking, because we were talking about girl stuff. And all I could think about while we were walking back to the green room was if she washed her hands or not. I'd be thinking about that too. Yeah. All right. So I screwed it up. So Tom Cruise is different. Tom Cruise always has to run. He always has to ride a motorcycle yeah. uh, and he has to do his own stunts. That's just his thing. So I, yeah, I mixed up Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks. So all my cool but, cred just. just no, just, but MTV was a lot of fun. It really was. I got to go to the movie and music awards and meet amazing oh, people. Man. And um, it was great. I, I <laughs> had the best time. I really did. I had the best time when I worked there. I worked at Fox on a talk show and I got to meet, major celebrities that I love. Wayne Brady was one of my first booking oh, assignments. Everybody loves Wayne Brady. Or Wayne was Wayne. Um, and he was just phenomenal. So, you know, I, it's so funny because I am working on a podcast and I'm thinking about ca- calling it, I was cool when? <laughs> because I have teenage boys who, when I tell them this stuff, they're like, who's Tom Cruise? Or, or who's oh. the other? They're just like, who, what? You know, they don't even yeah. know what I was, they don't even know who Ace Ventura is, so. Well, I don't know that I should. So my kids watched a little bit of Ace Ventura, and they immediately went into the Ace Ventura impressions. So I had to like kind of reel <laughs> that one back. I'm like, I'm not ready for this, because I was the kid that did that too. But yeah, yes, so my brother did that too. That's funny. And my kids are. I have a junior and senior in high school, so I'm not cool <laughs> at all to begin with. Um, oh well, but- one of these days they're gonna like start piecing all the puzzle together and be like holy cow like how did all this happen and you know what it's i'm, I'm okay with that I'm, I'm in the phase right now with my kids so i have a, a seventh grader and a fifth grader they're going into it they still think i'm cool so i, I have that Aww. going but i i know that day is coming when they're gonna be like yeah whatever dad like you don't get it and that's when i'll start you know wearing the new balance white shoes and, and jean <laughs> shorts with, with cargo pants and and all that other stuff mm-hmm. but until that time like i'm still i feel like i'm still the cool dad either that or they're leading me on and they know that it'll crush me. But uh, yeah, so. <laughs> I apologize for letting you know. So I, like, I did um, a TV segment from my kitchen yesterday morning. And my kids are like, uh-huh. Like they, they don't think it's cool anymore. I think when I take, when we're back in studio and I take them with me and they meet somebody who they like, then maybe mm. I'll get a little bit of coolness. Um, but, you know, what I've taught them and what I, I hope that your listeners are really getting, it's, it's having a good idea and putting the action behind it. That's what success looks like. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I want to talk a little bit about some of the publicity stuff that you've done and like the businesses that you were in there. I, I think what people don't understand is there's a lot of rejection in that business. Oh, it's like, no. it's just like, it's totally normal. Um, and like for me, I don't get rejected often just because I'm so calculated and I'm so intentional with the things that I do. I try to prepare so much that like I put myself in position for success. But when you're, when you're doing acting or you're, you're pitching a book, I mean, you're just putting yourself out there and it's like, you have to be numb to it because like, you just know it's a numbers game. Like I just got to put myself in front of a lot of people. And at some point somebody's going to say, say yes. And when they say yes, then it's go time. But if they say no, like I didn't fit and it's okay. How do how do you kind of mentally prepare yourself for that? Because in the part of persistence, that persistence is, is hearing a lot of no's and, 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 and continuing on in spite of it. I mean, that quote that you said, you know, that courage is using your talent uh, and following it all the way through to the sunset, sunrise, sunset. Yep. Through the but, fear to the sunlight. Yeah. And the fear is the rejection, right? The fear right. is what are these people going to think about me if they don't like me? This is the, you know, the biggest failure that I've ever had in my entire life. But in the grand scheme of things, it was just a no. And a no, a no doesn't mean that you're a failure. A no just means that you're not a fit right now. And that's exactly what I think. So I learned this a long time ago. It was you, you, nothing means anything until you give it meaning. Wow. So I email you. You don't email me back. What does that mean? I suck. You don't like me. You got, you're too busy for me. Whatever it is, I can put meaning to it. But what it really means is you didn't email me back. That's mm-hmm. it. So if I'm emailing with a producer who doesn't email me back, I'm not assuming there's any judgment. I'm assuming she's busy and will get to me. So I need to keep emailing her or I need to keep messaging her. But one way to combat that is to have those relationships because then mm-hmm. the relationship is, here's my idea. What do you think? I think it's a good idea, but not right now. You know, call me back in three months. And yeah. that's what, and that's honestly, that's what really happens. But changing your perspective on rejection. And I think, you know, I did, a, I did do a little acting in the city um, when I was at a school and standing on those long call lines and, you know, for open calls and stuff. And it was just, I just had to keep that with me that I'm not putting meaning to anything that doesn't work for me. You know, there's different ways to look at it. The, you can look at it at the, in the respect that, you know, this wasn't right for you. So it wasn't allowed for you. You know, mm. If you're going to go woo-woo, you know, the universe has a plan for you or has doors that are going to open for you that you can walk through or not walk through, but things happen for a reason in succession. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, two years ago, I was looking to get a regular job again in TV. I'm so glad I didn't. I wouldn't have the book. I wouldn't have all the things that I've created for myself and for my family now if I had just taken that desk job because I was mm-hmm. too scared to keep moving on what I was doing for, you know, for myself, for my family, for money, you know, whatever those reasons were. Um, I didn't take it because I knew that there, there's something bigger for me and I can make more of an impact in the world if I have my, if I am under my own direction. Well, I think that statement, I know there's something bigger for me. I think that part of that's your intuition. Part of that is just understanding your purpose and your, your, your uniqueness. I think you called it your, your own personal genius. But I think when you rec, when you're able to recognize that and, and sometimes you have to go out and do things and fail at them to find out what is closer and closer to that unique genius and what are things that are further away from that. And that's going to just keep uh, honing you in on your true purpose, your true strengths, because 
your story, successes and failures are the things that you bring to the table that make you an expert on the things that you are an expert at. So it could be uh, that one of your, um, one of your expertises is uh, publicity and getting in front of the right people and connecting with people in, you know, the show business industry. But a lot of that was you hearing no so many times that you had to figure out how do I get a yes? Like, what are the things that I have to put in front of people that are going to get me closer to that yes? And you just have to hear a thousand no's sometimes to figure out that one little nugget that gets you that much closer to the thing. So like you said, you know, it's knowing that no is not right now, but also knowing like, what are these people looking for? Like, what are the things that are relevant to what they're trying to do because they're trying to grow in what they're doing. So are you able to tap into the conversations, the talents, the pop culture things that make sense so that whenever they need a person that's an expert in something, you're at the top of the list? And that's a really good way to look at it. And it's honestly something that I'm trying to be, to do more for my business and for myself is to be that expert. You know, I want to be that expert for three national shows. That's my mm-hmm. goal for 2021. I want to be that on call person for different shows because that's that's one of my goals and that's where I want to be. But knowing where you want to be is the first step. You know, identifying those five platforms you want to be on and then really figuring out what they need and how to fill that need. So it's going over their social media. It's reading the blog. It's watching the show. You know, if you have a product, look at the last year of their of what they've done and see how your product can fit in because you know what? Shows do the same thing year after year after year. Businesses do the same thing because they work. So finding where you can fit into their ecosphere, that's where success is for establishing that kind of relationship. <laughs> I feel like you're advocating stalking a little bit. Um, I call it media dating. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> not stalking, but it, it, it is, you know, and it's, in a, it's stalking in a not bad way because yeah. you want to, because you might decide you want to be on ABC show, you know, and once you start really looking into it, like, oh, my values and my mission don't align with this show. I like mm-hmm. it because I'm a person and it's entertaining, but maybe it doesn't fit. And that's really important to know where you're going to fit and you're not going to fit. Like, mm-hmm. I, so when I was doing nutrition, it was all about clean eating, clean entertaining. I still do nutrition, you know, with the cocktails, but I was doing more like smoothies and detoxes and that kind of stuff. Um, and I got a call from a Food Network show and the chef, all she does is cook with butter. And I was like, <laughs> it doesn't fit into my sphere it, was, it would have been a great opportunity and I was yeah. so sad to have to turn it down, but it didn't fit into my brand values. And that's really important. Like I'm not going to go on a money, I'm not going to go do something with money, you know, the magazine mm-hmm. and the online, the online site as well, because I don't talk about money. I have nothing to do with money. I don't fit into money. So it's really figuring out where you fit in. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, you have the opportunity to work with Paula Dean and, and, you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. You know, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it wasn't Paula Dean, but no. Like, oh, okay. I, okay. You, know, you said butter. I, I think I, that was the first name. It was somebody else. But still, okay. So for Paula Dean, I don't fit into her demographic. I don't fit into the way she thinks about food. I, you know, yes, I could have gone on and made some cocktails, but my people would be like, why is she on Paula Dean's show? It, it wouldn't yeah. make, it wouldn't connect. And that's yeah. really what you want to do. You want, you want to connect with their audience to bring them into your audience. You know, it's both ways. I want my audience to come listen to this for you. I want your audience to come listen to this and then come find me. That's the way yeah. it works. You know, and understanding 
where we each come from and where we can fit together, that's where our audiences can mix. Yeah, and I think this you're you're kind of hinting on a, a really important uh, part of this, and that is don't always bend to where you think the opportunity is. I think you if you have that uh, thing that's your niche that 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 you that makes sense, you got to stay on your own brand because if you yep. if you always waver to what else is out there then you're really not the expert in one thing. You're just kind of riding the current of, of what everything is. And then people aren't necessarily going to be as drawn to you because when, when something comes up that, you know, all of a sudden you find out butter is bad for you. Well, now they're going to want to bring in somebody who can talk about butter alternatives or they can talk about healthy eating or they can talk about, you know, how, how do we, how do we, how do we find some of the same flavors, but in a, in a healthier way. And I think that's why, uh, when you're consistently putting out there and you're finding those shows and you're saying, Oh, that's great. Like, you know, I, I love that that's your niche, but this is my niche. And so whenever you get to these things, that's when you call me, that's, that's when I'm your, that's when I'm your person yeah. because I can speak intelligently to that as opposed to being just whatever everyone wants. I don't think, I don't think anyone's attracted to that. People are attracted to the people that are making a difference and doing something that is to the beat of their own drum. Again, that's where it's drawn to you. It goes all the way back to what are you doing? What, what are the things that uniquely make you, you with your own personal genius and how do you stay on brand with that, but have the persistence to hear the nose and to put that stuff out there so that when the opportunity is ready, you're the, the first person on that list. I think you just described a successful entrepreneur. I, that's you did because what you're talking about is staying in your lane and standing for something. Right. And that's like, as you said that I'm looking, I have next to my desk, I have my post-it board and mm -hmm. literally the top two are stay in your lane, stand for something. Yeah. And I didn't, uh, I don't, so I didn't come up with that, but somebody, you know, I've seen that in different places before, but so many entrepreneurs have the, let's call it the squirrel syndrome. Mm. This looks shiny. That looks good. Let's try this. Let's try that. If, and this is what I do with my clients. If, Let's decide where you want to go. Let's decide how you want to get there. And that's staying in your lane, right? Like yeah. I'm not yeah. talking about fiber. I'm not, or in a business sense, I'm not talking about how to make a funnel or how to write your emails. That's not my lane. I'm standing right. for you shouting out your message to the world and being heard. Yeah. And I think that stay in your lane has gotten a little bit of a negative connotation, but I think that the, like you don't, you, you shouldn't latch onto that part of it because there's a lot of truth into that, that niche. They, they say the riches are in the niches. Uh -huh, totally. Like that's, that's where, you know, you have that opportunity to really grow and thrive. There are certain kinds of people that are doing certain kinds of things. Uh, like uh, we, we talked about in, in, in past podcasts, guys like Dave Goggins, who like, uh -huh. he is just a like mentality. Uh, like he is just in tune with basically telling your body no and just going and just, you are capable of more than you possibly think. And I'm drawn to that. I'm never going to run a 200 mile anything, <laughs> but you know what? He's showing me what's possible through his over-exaggeration of what he's doing and his passion for what he's doing. Right. Like, I mean, Cameron Hayes, like nobody cares, work harder. Like those are things that like, they're so impactful that you're just like, there's no way that someone can possibly do it. And then he's doing it every single day and you're sitting there going, 
uh, I think I need to put the Cheetos down and go for a run. <laughs> but that's that, that's where that motivation comes into play. And I, I think entrepreneurs need to hear that too, is, is like, here's, an, here's somebody who's doing this and here's, here's the struggle, here's the success, here's what they had to go through. And it becomes relatable. It, it, it takes away some of the, the fog of like, I just don't know how I'm going to get there. And it just shows you the steps that, it, that happens. And you feel like, okay, uh, they've experienced failure. They've experienced struggle. I'm experiencing some of that. That's normal. Now I'm motivated to take another step towards uh, what I'm passionate about. Or maybe I'm, I'm in a dilemma of, you know, do I bend what I'm passionate about to fit the opportunity that's in front of me? maybe we're motivating some people to say, Hey, this isn't the right opportunity. You got to stay in your lane. You got to stay focused on who you are. And I mean, I'm, I'm not a crystal ball person. Uh, I, I can't see into the future. I definitely could not see a, a pandemic coming, uh, <laughs> even, even with people talking about it. But you know, now that I know it's possible now that I know that, you know, things could happen, there's probably people that have known that, maybe something could happen. And so now they're, they're experts on this and, and, and news organizations and blogs and companies are going to be looking for people that can say, like, how do you work remotely? How do you manage remotely? How do you create culture remotely? Like, how, how can you establish some of these things? I had a guy on a couple of podcasts ago, we we're talking about having, utilizing virtual assistants. And how do you, how do you create a standard operating procedures for people who are basically plug and play people in your organization like that was cool six, eight months ago because it's like expanding maybe your workforce, but now it's even more relevant because now there's a lot of companies that are still remote. And so how do you keep the culture? How do you, how do you, how do you hire somebody in an, a remote world and train them to do X, Y, and Z? Well, the guy who's, who's been doing it through VAs and creating SOPs virtually that guy becomes that much more valuable now, not because he knew a pandemic was coming, but because he stayed true to what he was passionate about and the opportunity has now presented itself. And now he's in a position where the sky's the limit because we went from, you know, even the, the, the person who was completely dead set on you have to be in the office has now had to bend to see that you have to allow people to work remotely and they can do it successfully and so now it's like, do I need all this office space? Do I need to have everybody in a desk, in a cubicle? Maybe we can create a better environment uh, outside of that. And now do we, like, how do we, how do we keep who we are, but in different places? And I think that's where it's like, if he had just bent to, oh, you know, I'm going to show you how to have culture in the office. I'm going to have show you how to do this over here. He wouldn't have been a specialist at that point. Sorry, I was rambling, but I think that, I think no, that actually pulls, pulls it in. You know, I think it's really important. I think that, you know, what came up for me while you were talking about that is really understanding where somebody's beginning was versus their middle and what you're seeing. Because when we emulate somebody, we're, we're not looking at their beginning. You know, we're looking at their middle. We're looking at their fifth iteration of their business. Yeah. So go, I really recommend, and I do this with my clients, you know, we pick five people you want to be like, and then we look 10 years ago where they started and what they were doing. 10 years ago, they were a teacher. 10 years ago, they were a policeman. 10 years ago, they were doing food and now they're doing funnels. You know, mm. it's understanding where people's journeys are and then getting the hack. So you don't need to do that. Yeah. You can go, you know, you can start from where you want to be um, and create a road for yourself through that. That's going to be, you know, pandemic proof. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people are going, are taking their genius online, you know, and they're figuring out how to do that. 
because they don't know what's going to happen next. Like my husband's companies, they said, we'll see you if we'll see if you come back next year. He's working from home for the next forever. Yeah. <laughs> I love, but he's working from home forever from home for the last 10 years. He so can probably I'm hear you right me. now. So be careful what you say. Oh no, I tell him that all the time. I'm like, you okay. guys are all in my space. Um, <laughs> No, but it, it's staying true to that one ideal and having that message. And, you know, I think if I had figured out what my message was earlier um, and what my vision and values were for my business earlier, I would have skipped a lot of steps. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I really want your audience to take to take out of this conversation is like figuring out what your message is now and then figuring out how you're going to get that out. Yeah. Your values and, and what do you want to do now and then figuring it out and not just throwing crap at the wall and saying, let's see what sticks. Yeah. Well, there is, there is a time for throwing crap at the wall and seeing what sticks. I think that's part of the process, but at the same point, like, um, we can accelerate success. You Mm -hmm. can't, you can't have success, like become an instantaneous thing. You can't, you can't just say, all right, I'm going to be successful and be successful. Like (laughs) it, it happens through a process, but by bringing people alongside you, like you said, like having that, those five people that you want to emulate or, or finding people that are in tune or in line with the thing that you're wanting to do and, and, and surrounding yourself with those people till you get a, somebody who comes along and says, I want to do this with you. Like, like I'm in like that, that's there. That's where success becomes an accelerant. And I think that that's where like a business coach or, or a health coach or any kind of coach, even like a, um, like whether it be a consultant or even, uh, you know, from a being mentally healthy, bringing in somebody, a counselor who's going to help you navigate some of that stuff. I think one of the biggest challenges that I had when I was getting started in my career was recognizing that if I brought an outside person in, that I was a failure that I was, I was not capable of figuring it out on my own. And what I've come to learn is I, I can figure it out. But the timeline for me to figure it out is much longer than if, if I bring somebody who's been there and been through it that can help me uh, navigate and cut through all that crap, that I can, I can be a six, uh, more successful at what I'm doing in a shorter amount of time. And I think that that's not failure. That's actually being strategically smart and yeah. recognizing that I have my limits there are certain things that my unique genius fits into, but I'm going to bring the right people that I've you know, seen that are experts in what they do in as well. And that's how we're going to achieve success. It doesn't all have to rest on my shoulders. No. Like I want it to, I want to be the, the guy, but when I'm the guy, I'm also the bottleneck and, and <laughs> business cannot be successful when that happens. I have some percent agreed. I had interviewed um, this woman, Jen Scalia, eight years ago to be a business coach. And I think she was what, I don't know, $1,500 or $2,500. And I just, I was like, I'm not spending that money. I can figure it out. I can't imagine where I would be if I had hired my first coach eight years ago and not three Mm. years ago, because my business has exploded in the last three years. And what I'm doing is at another level so much faster. I spent five years figuring it out where I could have spent six months working with somebody figuring it out. And that's one of the reasons that I love what I do helping my clients because I, I can see the steps that we're skipping because I've been there and I can help people do it. Um, you know, I have a new, I have a client that went from concept and now she's doing virtual stages and virtual panels. Um, and now she's an expert on a couple of shows because I was able to take her through all of that, through, through all the stuff that we figured out on our own. I helped her through that um, and she took action and she's amazing. And I see that with a lot of my clients. Um, you know, we needed teachers growing up. We needed teachers in college. I think we forget that 
we're doing something new that we need teachers from. I just hired a funnel guy. It's not my expertise. I, mm-hmm. I literally spent three weeks trying to write emails and I just couldn't do it. It just wasn't yeah. working. I didn't like them. I hired a funnel guy. Guess what? My funnel starting tomorrow. Hey. Like, you know, I hired a, I have a new VA. She's amazing. She's helped me so much. I don't know what I'd do without her because I, I'm at a level now that I need that support because I spend four hours a day talking to amazing, amazing men and women like you. And I need Aww. somebody else to back me up to do the work that I was yeah. doing to post on social media and, you know, and do my calendar and that kind of stuff. It's the help. Um, you know, when you're successful, you have a team. So let's be successful from the beginning. All right. So let's get, let's get practical. Like you okay. have somebody that you're, that you're, you're trying to kind of accelerate their path to success and you're trying to get them to take more risk. And maybe they're like me, they're a little bit risk adverse. What are, what are some of the things that you're, that you're talking about with them and doing with them to, to help them be more spontaneous, to take risks, maybe imperfect action, if you will, to get, put themselves out there, to experience a little bit of failure and a little bit of success. What does that look like from a coach standpoint? As a coach, I coach people the way that I want to be coached. I need you to hold my hand. I need to be able to text you at four o'clock and, and by six o'clock you answer me the, you know, what I'm working on. Because if I'm in the middle of writing a blog post or in the middle of creating my media strategy and I have a question and you're not there to me, for me, then I'm not going to be successful. It's just, it's just the way that I work. I need that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do for my clients. So I, you really have a right-hand person or the right, I'm, a, I'm your right-hand woman. Um, mm-hmm. For the time that we speak together so that I can show you the tips and show you the hacks and show you the way to success that I found for myself, um, I can really give that to my clients. It's amazing what people will do when you just tell them they can. Yeah. And, you know, part of my, what I do is it is a little bit cheerleading, but it's a lot. Okay. This is what you're doing. This is the strategy. This is how we get there. Okay. What's your commitment to get done by 12 o'clock tomorrow? Okay. And then what are we doing after that? It's a mm-hmm. lot of accountability um, and it's a lot of answering questions so that they can create, you know, the life they want and using their genius. Yeah. Well, you're, you're nudging them. You're, 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 you're looking mm-hmm. at maybe some of the things that they're thinking about doing and you're, you're saying, go for it, get in there. Uh, it, it's a collection of small races. I think it was uh, Walter uh, Elliott that said, uh, perseverance is not a long race. It's many short races, one after another and all you're doing is you're just nudging them into these little races to get these little successes they're not going to win all of them but there's certain races that are going to be a top five and there's certain races they're going to lose just flat out lose and there's certain races that they're going to win and so as you're continuing to enter those races and continuing to kind of build that foundation of expertise and knowledge and experience that's where that perseverance, I think gets momentum to where you're starting mm-hmm. to be able to take those bigger risks. And so when you're talking about something exploding, right, that's where you've done enough small races that it all turns into this, this bigger thing and this momentum starts to happen and that ball is now rolling. And that's where you start to see, all right, like, you know, where can we go with this now? You, you have this goal and we're barreling towards that now. Maybe we need to expand what that goal is because you're going to hit that next week. You're, you're going to be there. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's look beyond this now because now your realm of possibility has uh, drastically expanded to where you, you, you kind of need to, if you want to keep going, like if you, if you don't keep going, you're going to be stagnant. So, you know, what's next and, and let's keep that new goal in front of us so we can keep that momentum rolling. Cause now it's easier to take, take those risks. Cause you got all this other stuff coming behind you. 
Exactly. And, and a, lot, a big piece of it is the advice. A big piece of it is I've been around, I've been in the online entrepreneur business since 2009. Mm. I kind of know what I'm going, not kind of, I know what I'm doing. I know where <laughs> I'm going, but I also know how to get there. Um, and, you know, I think most entrepreneurs are like this. Like I can, I can write everybody else's emails. I can't write my own. I can write mm. everybody else's everything. You know, I need help doing my own. And I think every entrepreneur is like that. So yeah. understanding that you need help and understanding the kind of help. Like if I can have an hour conversation with you and go over all of your programs and all of your offerings and solidify that so that that works together, then you can move on to the next thing. And then you have that working and then you have the next project working and the next project working and they all work together. And then you funnel in all your audience and all your people and everything you need. That's a successful business. Yeah. Your brain clarity and focus to mm -hmm. maybe somebody who's got focus ADD and they're just like, I, you know, there's so many opportunities. I don't know which ones to do. You're that sounding board for them and you're coming alongside them as that professional cheerleader in some cases to get them to the destination that they know is important, that they know that they want to get to, uh, and then just continuing to motivate them along that path. Beth, so much that we've talked about here. I mean, this time has just flown by. I do want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to the audience because this, this is a big part of, of what we do here is kind of speaking to that next generation of business leaders, that you that's, you know, uh, getting started in your career and, and seeing all the possibilities and knowing that you got to put yourself out there and you know you have something that you're passionate about, but you just haven't taken that next step. What would you say to that, that next generation business leader? I would say start telling people. Start having conversations about your idea. Tell your mom and your dad and your brothers and your sisters and your cousins and your best friend. And, you know, if you need the caveat, like, I'm just thinking about this. What do you think? That's mm -hmm. a place to start because that's talking it out makes you, and having those conversations will give you the insight into what you really mm -hmm. want to be doing. And then it's all action. It's showing up every day. You know, the one thing that I wish I would to I've told myself when we, when we all got onto social media, because I did start this kind of before there was really social media, <laughs> show up every day on video. Yeah. That's it. If you're on your story and in your IGTV, you know, or, or you post something, it could be three minutes, but show up every day so people get to know you because that know, like, and buy is not a trick and it's not just a quote. People get to know you they get to like you, they fall in love with you, and then they buy from you. And that's, mm -hmm. the, that's the honest truth. So showing up every day and saying your truth. Like to, I did a video, I want to say it was three or four years ago. It's called I'm Struggling. It's on my Facebook. Like Everyone can go see it. That mm -hmm. is the most viewed video I've ever done. Mm. People want to see that part of it. And, and I think, I feel like I got so many more people in my corner because I was honest about it. So if I was a new entrepreneur, I would go on and say, this is what I'm thinking of doing. This is how I'm going to do it. I think this is what I'm struggling with and bring people along that. So when you're ready to launch and you're ready to, to become that next level, you have cheerleaders in your corner. You have people that are buying from you already in your corner and you have that support. It makes all the difference. Yeah, what, what you're talking about is being vulnerable and being real and allowing people to connect with you. When there's that connection, they want to support you. They want to be a part of your story and encourage you. I think it's a natural uh, trait that people have is that they want to help when people are hurting or they're struggling. And I think that that's just an innate thing that you can tap into. But if you always have it together and you always have all the right answers and you always, uh, you know, never fail or perceive to never fail, 
people don't think you're people don't think you're real or they don't think that you need help or they don't want to get behind what you're doing because they're like oh well that person's clearly successful so they don't need my help or i can't relate to them because this everything they touch is gold and everything i touch is a big turd so <laughs> like that like if i go uh, align myself with that person i'm just going to look like a giant turd to them all the time well if they see your struggle and they see that you're real they'll be like oh man like they've been through this that you know i can help them they can help me and we we're going to build a relationship together and that's where you start to build community that's where you start to build audiences that's where you start to build a following and that's where all of those things come together circling back to it's just people like as, as, as much of a funnel as you want to create, as much of a brand as you want to create, you're just having a conversation with people. And if you keep that at the heart of it, that's ultimately where you're going to see a lot of success because if you get enough people behind you and enough people that believe in what you're doing and support what you're doing, you have a, a lot more ability to accomplish things beyond what you think you could accomplish. And it doesn't have to be millions. It, it could be like, if you have, I mean, if you're a business coach, let's say you have 15 really good clients. That's all you need. I mean, that's, I'm sure that's going to keep you really busy. You don't have to be everything to everybody. Find the people that you can help, find the people that you can grow, uh, invest in those people. And that's where you can really start to build something that you can be proud of and is true to your purpose uh, and to who you are as an individual genius. I 100% agree. And the only thing I want to add to that is how much emotional support you'll, you'll feel and you'll get as a person. Because mm -hmm. when people, because people are going to connect with whatever you're struggling and the support that you get from strangers is sometimes more important <laughs> than, than you get from your friends. I was talking to, to a friend of mine actually this morning um, and we were talking about how your friends are not going to show up for your business. Just, mm. They're just not. Like if you decide in the beginning they're not, they're not going to like your stuff. They're not going to share your stuff, even when you ask them. On the whole, there's always those one or two that are really supportive. But those aren't the people you want. That's not your audience anyway. So letting go of that. And we then, were supposed to turn this positive. <laughs> no, but it's, but it's true. So you <laughs> no, let go of that expectation and you allow these people who connect with your message and connect with what you're trying to do, mm -hmm. that's where you get the most from that kind of support. Absolutely. I, I love it. I, I was being fun. facetious. <laughs> no, I know. Being an entrepreneur is fun, but it's freaking hard. Like, oh. you got to be real about that part. It's hard. Yeah. I've cried. I've screamed. I've thrown things. I've yelled. But I've also cried from being happy and from inspirational stories and people supporting me and saying, mm. like, I can't believe, like, I've had um, household names tell me they love me and they love what mm. I'm doing. And it's like, I cry. Because some stranger who I, who millions of people love, likes me because mm -hmm. I'm being me, a little confidence boost, you know, that doesn't hurt either. Yeah. Um, but I think just allowing yourself to be that 100% vulnerable and, and sharing your origin story and sharing what you come from and sharing what you do, that's the basis of where you can really grow from. Fantastic. Beth, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing uh, your stories, sharing how cool you are with working at MTV and the Jay Leno show. And, uh, and uh, hopefully at some point your kids recognize the, the inner coolness that you have. I know my audience has, but I want to give you an opportunity. How do people connect with you? How do they find out more about you? Uh, obviously, where do they get the book? And then if they want to uh, follow you on some of the other things that you're doing, how do they connect? So you can find me everywhere at Beth Nidick. Mm -hmm. um, on every social media platform, on 
Instagram. You can find the cocktails at Beth Nidick and the publicity programming at Beth Nidick Media. Um, and I'm happy to say that my cocktail book is entitled Clean Cocktails, Righteous Recipes for the Modern Mixologist. And that is available at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. But I please ask and I beg you, if you have a local bookstore in your town, please call them. They can order it. They can get it for you. And that way we can support our local businesses as well. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you again for being on the podcast. Listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast.